This is Mesa Verde Voices, a podcast about the ancient history of the Four Corners and why it matters today. We are your two hosts. I'm Callie Carswell. And I'm Kayla Eiler. And here's what's in store this season. We've got stories about people, places, public lands, science, culture, and ethics, agriculture, and tourism. And, well, we should just listen, yeah? Yeah, let's do it. Today, we're asking a single question. What's an Anasazi? All right, here we go. So can you tell me what the word Anasazi means? Um, didn't they disappear or something? Today, we're going to focus on a single word. What is it? Anasazi? No, I don't know what that means. It's a word you'll see a lot in the Southwest, on hotels, on bags of beans, on a brand of climbing shoes. The word is Anasazi. Yeah, can you spell that? A-N-A-S-A-Z-I. It's a word with a checkered past. And it's fallen out of use. Archaeologists don't use it anymore. The Park Service doesn't use it anymore. Pueblo people have never used it to describe themselves. So we wanted to know, where did it come from? And why don't we use it anymore? Maybe we should start with what it means. Anasazi is a Navajo word. People have translated it to ancient enemy, old ancestor. Some have even translated it to little people. That's Delovai. My name is Delovai Denapa Cook. I'm from Okwinga Pueblo. Delovai has a direct connection to this word. She's a descendant of the ancestral Pueblo people of the Southwest. Who non-native people used to call Anasazi. And the issue with this? Well, it's a Navajo word, and um, back then, during the 15th and 16th centuries, the Pueblo people, the Navajos, were enemies. And so, as an archaeological term, it's, it's offensive to Pueblo people. So, how did a Navajo word come to be used to describe Pueblo people? Luckily, I was able to find someone who knew a lot about it. Is that her? Hi, how's it going? That's Chip Caldwell. My name is Chip Caldwell, and I'm a curator at the Denver Museum of Nature and Science in Denver, Colorado. Chip actually wrote an article titled Myth of the Anasazi, digging deep into the history and usage of the word. He told me that it really means different things to different people. So for archaeologists, it was a term that was first used in 1893 at the uh, Columbian Exposition in Chicago. It was a catch-all term to describe all ancient Pueblo people. By the 1930s, it was a a kind of label that referred to a period between about 300 AD and 1500 AD, uh, mostly to describe people who were living in the Four Corners area, northern New Mexico, and northern Arizona. It started showing up in magazines, in newspapers, in books about the Southwest, at tourist attractions. And, you know, it does have this kind of exotic patina to it. You know, Anasazi, to me anyways, it sounds like a term that describes a kind of mysterious and wonderful culture, perhaps. Mysterious. Because there is no tribe called the Anasazi. And there never has been. The word itself is actually uh, derived from a Navajo term, uh, Anasazi, uh, which more or less translates into ancestor enemy. 
Uh, some Navajo scholars though, point out the word enemy, it doesn't mean sort of in the Western sense of someone who opposes you, but rather uh, in this case, it's because the Navajo believe that the dead and those from the past are spiritually dangerous and that they can harm you in the present. When American archeologists were first doing research in the Four Corners in the early 1900s, they worked with many Navajo people in the field. So these archaeologists asked the Navajos questions about the history of the region, including questions about the cliff dwellings, which actually were built by entirely different cultural groups. The word itself may actually have arisen out of this dialogue between archaeologists and the Navajo. It's a combination of two Navajo words, Ana and Sazi. Archaeologists started using it in academic publications, and it eventually bled over into popular American culture. This interesting word, Anasazi, came to describe this mysterious group of ancient people who had, as the story went, suddenly vanished. And that's problematic for a few reasons. For Pueblo people, they believe that, that their ancestors who lived in the Four Corners region in northern Arizona and New Mexico for the last several thousand years and beyond, that those people are their ancestors and so that they should be called Pueblo or that they should be called the terms that they use themselves to describe their own ancestors. The issue with the use of the word Anasazi stems from this, the ability of a group of people to name themselves in their own language. But it's bigger than that too. And so they see this Navajo term as a way to kind of distance uh, Pueblo people from their own past. Chip is an anthropologist, and his work with the Hopi people inspired him to look into this issue. They talked at length about how uh, disheartening a term it was for them because it felt like the term divorced them from their own, from their own history. When I worked as a park ranger, visitors would often ask us why we didn't use the word Anasazi anymore. A lot of people thought we were just being politically correct, but that's really not what it's about. Forget about political correctness. Let's just talk about historical correctness, you know, or cultural correctness. Um, that's really what we're talking about. Is this term really reflective of real history and interpretations of the past? Does it accurately reflect the cultures that we're talking about, whether Diné, Navajo, or... We're talking about Pueblo communities. Thinking about the words we use to describe the past reminded me of another word that is often used in the Four Corners, abandonment. People say that the former residents of Mesa Verde abandoned the cliff dwellings. But is that really what happened? So the problem with a term like abandonment is that it implies that a place has not just been left by people, but they've also relinquished any claim to it. It implies a severing of ties. And while that may in some sense be what happened, it's not really how Pueblo people see the migration away from the Mesa Verde region. My name is Star, not afraid. The day we met up with Delovi, she also brought a friend along. I'm Hopi, I'm from the village of Walpi, I am from the Tobacco Clan, and I am age 21. The Hopi also traced their heritage back to the so-called Anasazi. And we asked both Star and Delovi what they thought of calling archeological sites abandoned. As Pueblo people, it's been known throughout history that we've been nomadic. There's old ruins everywhere, and that is because we were nomadic. We, we didn't stay in one spot for too long because we did. We followed the resource and wherever it was. We followed the water as well. But they maintain connections to the places they've lived. Delevi told us that the pottery shirts you'll find in sites embody this idea. 
Okay, so Spider Woman is a very, very important spirit in our stories. She told us when we're migrating and we're going to settle to a new spot, you know, break the pottery so that way the people in the future can see that Pueblo people did live here once. All the broken potteries around is almost like a statement of saying we were here. And sometimes we believe that when you when you break the pot purposely, that it goes to the underworld and it is used again by the spirits. They still use that in, in the afterlife. So even when their ancestors left the region, a spiritual bond persisted. Um, yes, it was probably abandoned physically, but I believe that there's spirits that still roam around those areas and people do feel very much alive when they go to these ruins. Um, you can just tell that there's definitely a presence. And that's how people feel about abandonment is a bad word because they they see it physically abandoned but not spiritually abandoned. Delevi and her family still go back to the sites at Mesa Verde and other cliff dwellings. It's like a remembrance. And we always go back to those ruins and we always pray to the, the spirits there. We even feed them food. So what should we say then? What kind of word or words would be better? I actually asked Chip that question. Yeah, and I, you know, I'm, I'm very sympathetic to wanting a single term. <laughs> you know, that's why we create, we as archaeologists create those terms is because part of our job is to make order out of the chaos of history. You know, in that way, I think the term Anasazi or even Ancestral Pueblo, it has its uses because it, it it does describe a region, it describes a certain time period, and it, it allows us to put something um, that otherwise would be very chaotic in a kind of cognitive box. The problem is, is that when we just leave it there and we just say, okay, now it's in that box, we don't have to think about it again, or it's just kind of an easy solution. Instead, what we need to do is open that box and really look inside it and ask ourselves, you know, what what really was happening in the past within that box, you know, so to speak, within that region, within those time periods, what kind of terms or concepts of identity uh, did people in that peer in those periods actually have? And then what are the relationships between people today and those groups from the past? I asked a Levite too, what words she would prefer? And actually, this is something that her Pueblo has grappled with very directly. Everyone, every Pueblo has their own language and we have our own names for different tribes and different people. Until as recently as 2005, Delevi's Pueblo, Okeawinge, was called San Juan Pueblo. And San Juan Pueblo was named after St. John the Baptist, the saint that the Spanish have given us. And of course, we don't have a good history with the Spanish. The Spanish attempted to colonize the Pueblo people often violently. And we want to kind of go back to our traditional ways, and and there was a lot of um, discussion about what we should be called. Before the Spanish arrived in the Southwest. Back then we were called Okeowinge, so we just decided to go back to our original name, and that means home to the strong people. This seemingly simple shift in this one Pueblo is a stark reminder of just how much language matters. It matters to identity, it matters to how we interpret the past. It matters to the balance of power within our society. And language is complicated. Despite the transition back to traditional names, people's feelings about the word Anasazi still exist along a spectrum. 
while many feel that it shouldn't be used at all. Others don't view it as harshly. In fact, Starr told us that he'd prefer the public at large not use Hopi words too freely. Within the Native communities, however they, they are taught, whatever that word is, I feel that should be only a part of what, what their own knowledge. I, I feel like our, our knowledge of, of what we call things and what, we, what, what the old names are, I feel those should be sort of kept within our own communities and not so much shared. Only if there's somebody that decides to share it themselves, then, then so be it. But however, I feel that Anasazi can stay the universal term and that, that they don't exactly have to know like what it's really called. And Delevi sees it a little bit differently too. Um, as for me, I know that um, people commonly use Anasazi. And to me, it's not offensive, but I know how offensive it is to my people. It just depends on the person. Thanks to Delevi Denipa-Cook of Okeawinge Pueblo, Star Not Afraid of Hopi, and Chip Caldwell of the Denver Museum of Nature and Science. And also thanks to Garen Grayeyes of the Navajo Nation for help in research on this episode. And thanks for listening. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and do us a favor and leave us a review. For more information, visit mesaverdevoices.org. Mesa Verde Voices is a production of KSJD Community Radio in Cortez, Colorado. It's produced in partnership with Mesa Verde National Park and the Mesa Verde Museum Association. With additional support from the Ballantine Family Fund, Aramark, and Concept 360.